and this is our plan of attack. Banks have become an essential threat to our democracy. So consider this justice. Thank you for listening to Revolution Radio, freedomslips.com, the number one listener-supported radio station on the internet. Please help support this station so this battle can continue forward. Revolution Radio! Thank you for listening to Revolution Radio at freedomslips.com. Any commercial advertising you may hear in this program is of the sole discretion and benefit of the host of whose program you are listening to. Revolution Radio does not endorse any commercial products, nor does it accept monetary compensation for on-air advertising of commercial products, nor will it ever. We are and shall remain 100% listeners supported. Any product advertising on this program are considered used at higher risk, and Revolution Radio shall not be held liable for any claims or damages received from any product advertised within this program. Revolution Radio, where information never sleeps. February is Heart Month. Every year for the month of February, to show our appreciation to Extendivite's faithful customers, we have a sale. If you would like to try Extendivite, now is the time to get a few months ahead and really give Extendivite the time to show you how it works. Most of Extendivite's long-term customers wait for this sale to stock up. People and doctors tell us about the unbelievable improvements that they have experienced in their overall health, not just the heart. Extendivite wants you to experience the power of these herbs. Get a four-month supply for only $115 for either the capsules or tincture. Please take advantage of this once-per-year sale and get healthy for life. To order, call 1-877-928-8822 or visit heartdrop.com or find us on Amazon. Extend your life with Extend The opinions expressed on this radio station, its programs, and its website by the hosts, guests, and call-in listeners or chatters are solely the opinions of the original source who expressed them. They do not necessarily represent the opinions of Revolution Radio and FreedomSlips.com, its staff, or affiliates. You're listening to Revolution Radio, FreedomSlips.com, 100% listener-supported radio, and now we return you to your host. Do you feel as if you don't belong? Do you know you were meant for something more? Well, you were. Knowledge of who you are and where you really are from is within your reach.
Join Janet and Kara Lesson and Dr. Sasha Lesson as they search for the answers as they open up the Stargate to the cosmos. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Stargate to the Cosmos. And I'm your host, Janet Kerlissi, with my co-host, Dr. Sasha Alexson. Our producer is Thomas Becker, and we're here today with Russell Scott Grinninger. I want to talk about a bunch of different things. I have a webpage set up on AquarianRadio.com for you to go over and review. And we're going to talk about things like the deep state and what is it and uh, QAnon and why are people afraid of globalism and what is the extinction and anxiety uh, real national emergencies versus fake national emergencies the border stuff <laughs> um, the disclosure QAnon the Space Force and a lot more so um, before we bring on Russell, Sasha are you there? Sound check Yes, I am. I, I am indeed here. I, I, and uh, listen, listen up, everybody, because you know when I want to uh, blow my mind and learn something, uh, I uh, I look at the first things that Russell Brinninger and uh, Mark McCluskey and uh, Penny Bradley uh, post. That's where I uh, really find my peers, and I get stimulated. And so, uh, it's a with a great privilege that we can. Uh, uh, present Russell because he stays up on all kinds of stuff as much as he can and he's got this huge scope probably more than anybody I know so we're going to have a good time today and we're going to roast the president a bit too probably yeah a little bit of roasting today <laughs> so Russell welcome yes How you well, doing today? thank you I'm doing great glad to be here yeah we're glad you're here so start us out what do, we, what do we okay. talk about today? What do we want to know about all this stuff? Well, what I think would be helpful, um, rather than a long uh, Trump bashing session or anything like that, is to go into a little bit about the psychology of why people pick certain people to lead over them. And some of the cognitive blind spots that people or voters might have that they fall for, logical fallacies that they fall for, and things that they might not be aware of that are happening behind the scenes that sway them in a particular direction. And I guess I'd like to start off with a quote from Titus Livy, who is a Roman historian that wrote uh, Roman's history from 750 B.C. to about 25 B.C. And um, as I was listening to the six volumes that are available on audio, one statement he made really hit me. It says, as nature would have it, the man who speaks in his own interests is more popular than the man who speaks for the common good. And they were dealing with this uh, phenomenon of various tribunes and uh, emperors surfacing that were really tyrannical in nature. And even Titus Livy 2,000 years ago was wondering why the masses of people can be swayed by a powerful speaker. And personally, I think it goes way back into ancient humanoid history and something called sexual dimorphism. As long as humanoids have been around on the planet, uh, the male humanoids have always typically been very phys physically larger than females. And from the get-go, we were uh, influenced and swayed by things like height, hair, voice projection, uh, who was the strongest and the mightiest. And I think some of these 
tendencies that um, we've had since ancient days are still affecting people. And we're reaching an age of technology and information where this is no longer appropriate. We're moving from the the um, tyrannical type leader who everybody cowers to and follows behind to a more thoughtful, um, empathetic to others, an intellectual type of person. But the problem with that is that our entire political and legal system is still based on height, hair, and voice projection. And even in uh, legal trials, I didn't know this till I had one of my own, but uh, in their closing arguments, they're allowed to lie. And as if they're a good, powerful speaker, they can grab the attention of a jury that wasn't paying any attention at all to the trial and sway them in their direction. So both our political and our legal systems are based on this phenomena that you may have the truth on your side or you may have the law on your side, but unless you can convey it in a certain way to large numbers of people, you're going to lose. So <clears throat> what I'd like to do this evening is more of an educational session to uh, go over some of these logical fa fallacies that people are subject to long time ago in the 1980s, I, I sold used cars when I was a very young man. And uh, there was two sales techniques that really uh, I could see working over and over and over again. And I see it in our legal and political system. Uh, the first one was called the foot in the door technique. And what this means is if you make a small request that's easy for a person to say yes to, and you get them to say yes to that, your chances of getting a yes to something much larger are about 10 times greater. And they've done experiments with this, like they've gone up to people and knocked on their door and said, can I put this little three by five card in your window that says save the rainforest? Oh, sure. No problem. And then they come back two weeks later and say, can I put a eight by four plywood sign in your front yard? And the ones that agreed to the small uh, agreement, um, they responded 10 times more likely to let them put the big sign in the yard than if they were just asked to put the, the sign in the yard from the get-go. And the other common one is the door in the face technique. And this is where you make a huge request and you know they're going to say no. And then you immediately drop to what you really want. And it appears to the person you're talking to that you're accommodating their needs. But really, you're getting exactly what you intended to get in the first place. So those are just two, two major sales techniques that are in operation from car lots to the political arena um, that you can chew on. Oh, if I may, Russell, uh, uh, this has uh, been, uh, Festinger has identified this as, as cognitive dissonance, that when you uh, give, if you take a small bribe, you're more likely to take a bigger bribe, or if you buy a Volkswagen and not a Ford and you're equally hung up on them, you'll only look at ads for whatever you bought. It's, it's cognitive dissonance uh, is a really interesting way to look at this. Yeah, there's a lot of things in play, L little bitty catchy slogans. Uh, work on a subliminal level, uh, such as low energy jab, little Marco, crooked Hillary. Uh, if the glove doesn't fit, you must acquit. Little catchy things that are easy to remember actually sink into people's subconscious and they, they actually will act in future ways according to these things that are embedded into their psychology. And there's a really good book uh, by Dr. C. Aldini called Influence, and I highly recommend anybody uh, read that that's interested in identifying all of these uh, common cognitive blind spots like they he describes experiments where they'll have the same group of people 
and they have the same guy come in and he's dressed like the janitor at the first one and then he comes back in wearing a suit and the people in the audience will judge the person in the suit even though it was the same person an inch and a half on the average taller than the person that's dressed <laughs> like the custodian <laughs> i'm glad you're laughing because a, a lot of this is really funny you know i mean they're so silly and ridiculous and we're all affected by these i'm myself included i mean i bought a kirby once from a guy and uh during the campaign what i recognized as a former salesman when trump was running i turned to julie my wife and i said you know he could win she went no you know but i saw what he was doing it's like he uses these little mnemonics and these little sales techniques he's like uh old school Zig Ziglar, uh, success to a positive mental attitude. And, and uh, he uses every technique in the book. And I wondered whether it was going to work. And then when he finally got elected, I went, I'll be darned. This works on a mass scale. And um, <clears throat> I'd like to identify, if it's okay, a couple of the logical fallacies that Trump uses. Uh, one yes. I, before, before we get started, I just want to... I, I gathered all these uh, deep state um, illustrations. Okay. And uh, they're setting up these beams which make it like, uh, you know, Trump's like, like Jesus, the hero, and everybody else is the villain out to get him. Right. And I guess, I don't know when that started, but if you look on Korean uh, radio, you can see these uh, deep state memes. Or you can just Google them yourself. And you can see the imagery they're associating with what is the deep state, who's the bad guy, and who's the good guy. Right. So somebody's very uh, brilliant on how they've done this. But go uh, ahead, and uh, do what you want to do. And there's two split views on that. Uh, what I notice is that I have a lot of friends all over the political spectrum uh, from this campground that I belong to. There's uh, 600 uh locations there and everywhere from tea party right wing to radical left you know i get to talk to them all which is very useful and what i notice is that the people whose temperament is such that they lean right politically buy into this narrative of trump versus the deep state he's seen as somebody almost uh, messianic or angelic of having given up his golden years and what he could be living as a, a billionaire to come down to our lowly level and help us fight these evil people that are trying to turn our country into uh, a, a globalist socialist agenda of some sort that's out there. And then the people that lean left politically uh, see it in a different way that um, our intelligence agencies and uh, our FBI or CIA and everything are the only thing really that we can depend on. And if anybody from an outside foreign agency was to unsurp all of that, they would put somebody into the presidency that would denigrate the media, denigrate the uh, intelligence agencies and everything to um, undermine the country. So there really is a split, uh, even in with the UFO community, which I talk to frequently about Trump versus the deep state and versus uh, Trump is the most you know dangerous political candidate we've ever had. But one of the books that I come across recently was The Dangerous Case of Donald Trump by Bandy Lee. And um, I, I've extracted several of the psychiatrists and the, just a summary of what they have to say about Trump's psychology and whether he's uh, 
you know, an appropriate leader or not. And a lot of it has to come down to what type of leader a person wants. There are people who think that a loud, powerful, uh, boisterous leader is the way to go because they get things done, they speak their mind, and then other people like a more subdued, uh, thoughtful uh, person with empathy towards a lot of other people. And so the idea of who ideally you would want depends on your own personal temperament, whether you lean right or left or, you know, somewhere in between. But a couple of, there's actually, um, there's something called the master list of logical fallacies online. It's very useful. And I suggest everybody print that off and get familiar with these because they're going to be in full use in the next two years as leading up to the 2020 election. But I've just extracted a few of them just for an example. Uh, one that Trump uses a lot is the third-person effect. And this is ignoring media information as an a priori argument. In other words, anything coming from the media is a lie. And it's convincing people to opt to remain ignorant rather than to listen to all those lies. And I, I know people personally who think that Trump's tweets are the only source of true information out there and everything that's on television you know and it's gotten really out of hand to the point where even academia is condemned uh i've heard things like well in harvard and yale that's where the skull and bone secret societies are from uh the universities are all part of the deep state out to get us and the journalists are all left-wing liberals and they're out to brainwash us so there are people literally sticking their fingers in their ears and listening to nothing except what trump says in his tweets or you know what he says on television and Personally, I find that a little bit disturbing because you need to have a more well-rounded source of uh, informational input than that, than just listening to one guy. But the ones that have really fallen for what I would call the Trump cult that shows all signs of cults to the point where uh, they're abandoning their, their normal friends and family relationships, uh, depending on how they feel about Trump. And these are classic uh, signals and signs that a cult phenomena is happening and it's not all of the trump supporters there are people that just didn't like hillary for whatever reason and they flip for trump just to roll the dice and try something different but he does have a core of sycophantic followers uh, that he even mocks they don't know he's mocking them but when he said i could shoot somebody on fifth avenue and you know i wouldn't lose their support i mean to me if i would have been one of his supporters i would have felt insulted but i, I guess they didn't and they just laugh it off and think it's great but Another one that Trump uh, represents is a main one. It's argumentum ad baculum. And that's the idea that might is right. It doesn't matter. You hear him say, I'm president and you're not. Uh, none of that matters. We won. That's argumentum ad baculum. The might is right. The biggest military wins. The loudest person in the room. We all watched when he went to the foreign summit and he shoved one of the uh, representatives out of the way to stick his face up there, you know, into the camera. And uh, there are people who like that. Uh, the very things that many of us find disturbing about his style and the way he is, uh, his followers love him for those same reasons. And um, another one he uses is the othering fallacy. They are not like us. And you can see that in the wall, the Muslim ban. There's a xenophobic air to where he's coming from. And this would be the othering fallacy of identifying 
somebody out there that's trying to take something from you and we're going to fix it and prevent them from hurting you. And one really funny one is the speaky fallacy. Uh, you speaky to English, it's a mockery, you know, like Pocahontas and Rocket Man. Uh, that would be part of the speaky fallacy where you're just uh, diminuating and uh, dehumanizing somebody by just blatantly making fun of them. And that might be fun in a bar room. And I've got lots of friends that do this, and they're funny when they talk. But as the leader of the free world, you don't know what somebody else's uh, psychology, like Kim Jong-un, uh, would take. You know, if he's being called Rocket Man by our president, you know, the buttons are right there for him to push. I mean, it's unpredictable what, how somebody in a foreign land and a foreign language is going to interpret that as maybe an act of aggression. And then there's one called the Suskind fallacy. If I don't already know about it, it can't possibly be true. <laughs> you know, and Trump, from what I notice, is like he, he thinks that everything in his mind is absolutely true. And if people challenge him on it, then he'll try to gaslight you. You know, it's like you're the one that's crazy. You know, your, your lying eyes are betraying you, not me. And then uh, two more, there's the alternative truth fallacy, where there's alternative facts denying the resilience of truth or facts as such. And then there's the big lie fallacy, repeating a lie or a half-truth over and over again until it's accepted as fact. And we see that in his uh, bragging about his crowd size, wiretapping, uh, American Muslims laughing at 9-11. He'll tell big lies. He's uh, had over 7,000 documented lies. So that would place him in the category, technically, of a pathological liar, just like Bernie Sanders just announced. And um, so, Sasha, what, what do you think about all that? Uh, that's a great analysis, um, and uh, I, I'm on board with it. But you, I, I think that uh, and I, it, it, a lot of it goes back to this very first thing you talked about, the, the uh, sexual dimorphism, dudes are bigger, and uh, the uh, propensity toward violence uh, comes down to testosterone versus the, uh, the history uh, where women have been in charge, like when Nima was in charge of Minoan civilization, basically, over it, where it was uh, oxytocin and the desire for empathy and connection. Now that we move into a much more collective era, I think we need to re- uh, 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 embrace our feminine and masculine sides and let them both have uh, equal play. That's my take. Well, I agree with that. And there's a big challenge because uh, the phenomena of Trumpism or the Trump effect has got both men and women denigrating males who are more empathetic than others, you know, calling them snowflakes or libtards or whatever you want to call it. And men are very affected by what women are attracted to. You know, and if and if they're admiring this guy who's the president of the United States right now, there are lots of men who will try to emulate that. And he's got such a collection of pathologies that it's kind of a disturbing thing to me to, to know that men are trying to use that as a role model and trying to emulate that behavior because, in my opinion, that's not the direction that, as a collective psyche, uh, the, the American public needs to go. But we're here, and it's uh, mm -hmm. sure a curveball for a lot of us that thought things were going pretty good, you know, until this curveball happened here. 
Yeah, you know, Russell, one of the things that, that from my perspective, uh, which is probably a bit unique, uh, what I, I feel uh, compelled to do is to look at the needs that motivate uh, the the uh, the ardent Trumpists, uh, and to, and when you go deep enough into the needs, uh, uh, you get something like they need attention, they need affection, they need to be admired, all perfectly things that we can give them uh, as part of our compromise. And and I think we need to go beyond this dichotomization and go for the common ground, which is our common humanity. Find out what. what Uncle Bob loves and relate to what you love. Ask him about his job. Ask him about his family, his kids, you know, and relate yours. That's the very thing that brought uh, uh, Jimmy Carter, Anwar Sadat, and Menachem Begin to the uh, actual peace accords that have still held uh, between Egypt and Israel. Find the common ground, the love of the empathy that's in all of us. Well, it's definitely a challenge uh, to grow personally in your diplomatic skills because when something happens like the election of Trump that just uh, gets on your last nerve and irritates every sensibility that you have, which a lot of people are in that boat. I mean, therapists right now and what you read in the dangerous case of Donald Trump is that therapists are being flooded by people who feel anxious and like the rug's been pulled out from under them. Every day there's a new um, headline that you're distracted by. And it's almost like chaos and um, hysteria has taken over for the last two years, and people are getting used to it. And there's a there's a normalization. Well, it's yeah, isn't that the intention? What they're intending is like we had this normal, and whether you like the all the presidents before which side, whatever, they seem to be in this normal range, right? Within, and then here comes Trump, and he's like outside of the box. He's He's set up a means, so that's good. He's coming in and draining the swamp, but it's not good. It's totally destabilizing the whole world. It's not just the United States and American. The whole world is getting destabilized. It's it's a it's chaos. We had a sense of order. It may not have been 100 percent, but the whole world had a sense of order, and we were all getting into a nice rhythm. And along comes chaos. It's like the bull in the china shop, and stirring everything else. And somehow they've convinced the, the trumpets that stirring everything up is a good thing, but it's not a good thing. It's destabilizing people, and it's setting a lot of people over the edge. Crazy. It and is. They don't know what to do, They and they don't feel like they have a, a reality upon which they can wrap their heads around, because every day it's some kind of drama or trauma. Right. And, you know, it's not a good thing at all. Not, not a good thing at all. It's well, not, you know, you know, not Jesus coming to rescue us. <laughs> when you have a force majeure like the uh, presidency uh, that was uh, taken by criminal activity, which can be easily documented by the secretaries of state and the governors that uh, prevented black voters from voting in the cities, then you have something which is preventing what the Rosenberg has shown, that even a criminal who comes in, he actually talked down somebody that had a gun on him. And, and, and he, this method of really empathizing with the other person and going for the common ground can work, but not when you have a force majeure of criminal activity this put this guy in charge of, of, of uh, too, many, too much box. Yeah, one of the things that uh, Trump uses a lot is plausible deniability. And this is where a person in power forces those under him to commit an evil act or a crime while concealing their own involvement. 
And even Judge Napolitano, who appears on Fox News quite a bit, uh, said that, okay, Michael Cohen is going to prison for something that Trump ordered him to do. And he says, it'd just be like hiring a hitman. If you hire a hitman and they successfully kill somebody, you are guilty of murder. So even Judge Napolitano was saying that Trump's toast, you know, but it's like he just keeps on talking day in and day out. It's like, okay, when's, when's this going to happen? Um, so we're all being very patient, you know, with the Mueller investigation and hoping that they'll uh, come forward with, you know, the truth behind that whole situation. And I'm willing to accept the truth that there was collusion. Personally, I think there was great. And if there's not, then okay, we'll just move on from there. But Another thing Trump does is uh, something called the big brain, little brain fallacy. Do not think with your little brain. You only think with your big brain, which is mine. And you you hear him say that, you know, it's like, I have a big brain. I trust my gut instinct, you know, more than uh, any intellectual process going on. And there are people um, out there, typically, um, you know, blue collar people who want to believe very strongly that their gut instinct and their sense of common sense is equal to or superior the college-educated idiots or the academics, you know, who are sitting in their leather chairs puffing on their pipes and don't know nothing from nothing, you know. I mean, they, and those types of people absolutely love Trump for the same thing that a lot of us are disturbed about. They like that he needles academia and the media and uh, the elites or what they call it, you know. And it's like he has vicariously been hired as a pit bull to get on those people's last nerve who they feel traditionally oppressed by there's apparently a population in the united states that feels left behind by the technological changes they feel encroached upon and they have uh, something called extinction anxiety where they feel like due to the demographic changes that they're going to become a minority and there's almost like a panic that sets in in their psychology that we have to do something about this and that's what they hired Trump to do and the more chaos he produces and the more he gets on everybody's uh, sensibilities the more they like it yeah you know, if he's pushed to the wall, he's going to go way beyond state of emergency. And if he declares martial law, the only hope left for our uh, short of civil war is is General Dunford and the Joint Chiefs, who, uh, ha who probably have, uh, they're our last resort to, to restoring a, uh, a democratic kind of a society. Yeah. Uh, the the gaslighting sure is... is what <laughs> the gaslighting is really gas intense, too. I mean, you know, invalidating a person's knowledge by making them doubt themselves. I mean, Trump does that all the time. It's like, you, you can't believe what you just saw me do or what you heard me say. You're crazy if you think that's true. And he'll come off with this totally alternate reality. And the, the hardcore uh, Trump sycophants and the Trump cult, uh, they buy every single word that this man says, even if it contradicts what they just witness themselves and it's really a strange thing to watch yeah well did we see this um what was that 60 70 years ago <laughs> i'm sure the germans were going through the same thing you know oh, yeah well, it's not me it's this guy that took over yeah so, there, um go ahead there, there are psychologists that I've extracted out of this book that go into that and make the same comparisons. Um, one of the things that Sasha said about impulsivity, that comes up a lot in the psychological analysis. And there's something called the shopping hungry 
phenomena where you make stupid but important decisions in the heat of the moment because you're pressured. You know, we have to do something. And for somebody that has the collection of pathologies that, that we'll go into, according to various psychologists here in a moment, um, that could be very dangerous because that something that he's pressured to do may be exactly the wrong thing. And um, the uh, Zimbardo time perception inventory uh, by Philip Zimbardo and Mary Swart is very interesting because a lot of a person's confidence and the decisions that they make today are based on their past successes. And even though Trump has had several bankruptcies and he's had a fraudulent university where they were charging $40,000 for uh, courses that you could get for free online, that got shut down. And um, <clears throat> he, his perception of himself is that everything he touches turns to gold. And he's he's always makes the right decision. So he acts impulsively uh, because he has this perception that everything he does and everything he thinks is absolutely accurate, absolutely correct. And under the right pressure cooker of circumstances, uh, he actually has the potential of exterminating all life on Earth. And that sounds very hyperbolic. And, you know, when I say things like that, I get laughed at, you know, by uh, people I know who support him. Oh, you're exaggerating. That's, you've gone off the rails. But according to all these 27 clinical psychologists, this is a very real thing that, that could happen. Now, the whole Trump era may come and go. I tell people I want to keep him fat and happy on the golf course because I'll be happy if we just get through this without anything majorly bad happening. Because with his particular uh, presentation of various pathologies, under the wrong or the right circumstances, uh, it could really go south. And, um, <clears throat> right. He uses a lot so of. So how do we know? How do we know where this is on this continuum? Is this really a, gra a greater scheme to, um, you know, hand the United States over to Russia? <laughs> you know, well, what that's, is going uh, on here? How do we ever know? Because this could be. Let's just look at like a different tracks. It could be total collusion. This whole wall in the UFO community are talking about the. False flag alien invasion. Well, look at the wall. That's a false flag alien invasion. That's false. And so all the attention goes to this false flag alien invasion, and then all our money goes there. Right now, if um, Trump succeeds, he takes billions and billions and billions of dollars from our defense fund, from our recovery fund, from all those um, things that have happened, which were probably... Harp created. Let's just go go really outrageous with conspiracy. Let's just say that the Russians used their harp, and they caused the fires, and they caused all these uh, hurricanes to come and wipe out all these, these cities. So we spent a year in absolute disaster. All this stuff happening, and then we have all these funds appropriated to recover, to restore infrastructure, to restore, you know, from this havoc, and then. <laughs> We have this whole game that's set up from collusion to distract us, building the the, the uh, wall in the south. Meanwhile, there's always been these rumors that the Russian troops are trading in the north. And if you go into Revelations, it says the next great battle um, is that the United States gets wiped out by Russia first and then China. And the troops apparently come down from the north. That's something in Revelations. So there they are coming down from the north. Now we've got a wall in the south, and we're all trapped. We can't even get out. So that's one uh, scenario. I don't know what anybody thinks of that, but 
I mean, could that be something that heinous that's yes. going on? <laughs> yes, it could. If, if you were, uh, if you were the head of a foreign country and you wanted to take a country down, uh, you would put a mole in there. Uh, if you're really, really lucky, you could put a mole in as the president of the United States that would undermine the media, undermine the intelligence agencies, underline the news, undermine everything. And with everybody uh, collapsing, uh, thinking that all of the agencies that we normally depend on uh, are collapsed, you know, that would be a prime time, you know, just to take another country over. So there are people who think that Trump is a Russian mole. Uh, then there's a softer version of that, that he's just a boob that is being played by the cabal, played by a foreign agent, or, or, or they're playing him like a marionette. And that goes into the actual definition of what the deep state is. It might be useful if we have a conversation about what is the deep state. And I'll start off by my take is uh, I, I go along with uh, Ronald Bernard's testimony, the Dutch banker, uh, what he came clean with, you know, before they murdered him. And he said that there's about 8,000 super rich people on this planet that benefit from every bullet fired on every side of every conflict on Earth. Uh, they're hiding technologies that are ahead of what the general population is aware of. And according to Ronald Bernard, they're also child sacrificing Luciferians in touch with a negative ET race. So <laughs> you, you can go as far down the rabbit hole as you want. If you want to just keep it all uh, excluded from the ET phenomena, you could just say, well, it's 8,000 people that uh, are super rich and they want to stay that way. So they manipulate politics. Uh, Citizens United was a big mistake that we made because now all kinds of dark money is coming in from uh, sources that don't even have to identify who they are. And um, they can manipulate things and money talks. You know, you can bribe the right people and get the right legislation in place to tear down the EPA because you make more money if you have unlimited pollution of the atmosphere. But it seems like one piece at a time, Trump is hiring people in these various agencies that are their job is to destroy it uh, from the EPA, the Department of Energy, uh, education, you name it. He's creating a cacistocracy, which is hiring the most ignorant people he can find to head those positions. I mean, he replaced uh, Obama's nuclear physicist at the Department of Energy with Rick Perry. And the Department of Energy oh. was one of those agencies that he went, oops, you know, and he couldn't even remember, you know, what the third agency he wanted to destroy was. Now he's in charge of it. You know, so we've definitely got a cacistocracy or an oligarchy going on. The people are finding out through this year's tax returns that uh, they got jilted on their taxes. That whole tax break thing was a big scam. You know, he put money in uh, the pockets of millionaires and billionaires and everybody else is having to pay now. So these are all coming out of the woodwork now that the whole tax uh, break thing was, was a big rip off. But um, <clears throat> another thing Trump uses is the, the, the malafides fallacy, demagogy, arguing in bad faith. It's using an argument that the arguer knows is not true. And I think the last count on the number of lies that are documented that he has told is about 7,000. 
So he would definitely qualify as a pathological liar. And I hate to say that because we're talking about our president, you know, somebody that leads the country and he's a pathological liar. No doubt about it. He's got a problem with the truth. And even Republicans that basically support Trump are saying he has a it's like George Carlin used to make fun of all these politically uh, correct things like you know, we replace shell shock with post-traumatic disorder and all this, you know, and um, they're saying he has a bad relationship with the truth, you know, and that's just an easy way to say that he's lying on a daily basis. Yeah, but, um, um, I, I would just like ahead, to go son. back a minute before you get too, too far ahead with uh, this thing about who is the... Uh, uh, the cabal, or the, okay, and uh, back, in the, back in the 50s, I, I, I was studying the sociology of a man named C. Wright Mills, who uh, studied the uh, power elite, and uh, that's what he called them the power elite. And what he says is there is indeed a conspiracy. If you think of what the word means, con means with, spire means to breathe or be in the same spirit of. And so what Mills showed is that the people who go to the same country clubs, who intermarry with each other, who interact with each other uh, socially uh, and distinguish themselves from their, uh, uh, from their servants uh, and go to the same country clubs and they breathe together, even if they never come to the same room or exchange emails, then there wasn't any emails that I know about in the 50s. But in any case, there is a conspiracy whether they get together or not. People who breathe, who think, who move together in the same way and look on us as expendable, uh, as expendables, when from my perspective, every song is to be sung, every light is to shine, every dream is to be dreamed. Interesting. The, All right, um, where do you want to take this? Well, as, as, far, as far as the deep state goes, okay, the, there is such a thing. I think people are confused because even people who want to believe that our intelligence agencies tell the truth and that they have good intelligence and that they're well intended, you've got things like Operation Gladio, Operation Northwoods, 9-11, uh, John Perkins, who wrote Confessions of an Economic Hitman, so the same people that are wanting to trust and believe in our intelligence agencies and our media are also aware of these other things that we're doing that are bad. So the faith in the intelligence community has been broken. So it's it, people are on the edge. It's like they really want to believe it, but this is the same group of people that told us it was okay to go into Iraq and come to find out the uh, Patriot Act was ready to go in 1996. They just needed an excuse to implement it. And George Bush uh, used 9-11 uh, as an excuse to invade Iraq, and the rest is history. We've been in a constant war ever since then. And I was somebody that never even paid attention to politics. I didn't really like politics very much. Uh, the first time I ever voted in my life was uh, 2008 uh, for Obama, and, and I voted for him again because I thought it was you know, going pretty good. And um, at the time when when he was about to be elected, the if you remember, the 401ks were tanking. We were having a total economic meltdown. And I called my 401k advisor and asked him, and he says, just stick it out, stick it out. And as soon as Obama got elected, you know, he said about repairing everything. And then the 401ks uh, were repaired and they started doing really good. 
And for eight years, we had good economic growth. So Trump, one of his big lies is that he took over a country that was in economic chaos and carnage and all this. No, he took over a very vibrant, very healthy economy, and he's trying to take the credit for it. But um, those are the only two times that uh, I voted, except for in 2016, I voted for Hillary because I thought not that I like everything about her, but I listened to Sam Harris's analysis on YouTube about uh, Trump versus Hillary, and I thought a lot of what he said made sense, that you have to look at the bigger picture. Even if Hillary and Trump were equally corrupt, the uh, ideas and the ideologies that they validate were completely different. And we can see with Trump, you know, what he's done, who he's validated, the white supremacists, there's 17% spike in hate crimes, uh, little kids, non-white kids in grade schools are being affected by what they call the Trump effect, uh, where they're being uh, ridiculed or told to go back to where they come from, or just using the name Trump to terrorize other kids. And um, you know, I, I don't see it as uh, going in a good direction myself. But I know a lot of people disagree with that, and they just love everything this guy does. So uh, the appeal to rigor, you know, manipulating an audience with fear and mercilessness. We all saw when he said, remove their coats, uh, get them out of here, you know, I'll pay your legal fees. You know, so from my perspective, it's tyrannical. But, you know, and I'm just mesmerized by the fact that so many people like what he, what he is and, and, and what he does. But... This, um, the deep state, the tools of the deep state are, in my estimation, the fossil fuel industry, the military industrial complex, and the world banks. And Trump is in bed with all three. Not that I think Trump is the cabal, I just think that he's uh, kind of a, a lackey that's being manipulated by the cabal who uses these three factions as tools, you know, to get what they want. And we just saw uh, Trump overlook the torture, murder, and dismemberment of a guy in order not to lose an arms deal. And what's really surprising is some of the evangelists like Pat Robertson, you know, they're getting on TV and supporting this, that, oh, we can't afford to lose these arms deals. And so you've even got churches who are supposed to be about peace and uh, denuclearizing the planet and demilitarizing the planet, supporting his arms deals. So it's just become... uh, uh, I've become a stranger in a strange land, I'm afraid. I just, uh, I don't get, you know, why people think all this is great. I think what you're saying is uh, common with many people. They feel like, the, where, what happened to my world? What happened to the planet? How did I land on this planet, you know? Um, yeah. What should we do about it? So. Well, I'll tell you what, yeah. there's, a, there's a lot more of these... Uh, fallacies that we go into but there's there's like almost 200 of them so we might want to go into uh the book itself and some of the individual psychologists and and what they have to say about it if, if that's the direction yeah, you want to let's go hear the, let's hear the, oh, I think that's yeah let's hear the highlights okay highlights. well this book the dangerous case of donald trump uh, the author is dr bandy lee um she was the organizer of the Duty to Warn conference. Uh, she's assistant clinical professor of law and psychology at Yale School of Medicine. And uh, the book itself is uh, accused of being fake. I've had people tell me that the book itself is fake, that everybody in it's fake. I mean, these are the real uh, Trump cultists, you know, that, that want to disbelieve any type of information like this. But there's something called the Goldwater Rule that we talked in the last uh, show we did in 1964, where a psychologist uh, 
gave his opinion on Goldwater's psychology to a magazine and Goldwater sued him. And from then on out, the American Psychological Association has uh, pretty much stated that psychologists shouldn't give their opinion unless they're a client of theirs and they've done a proper evaluation and everything. But then that's augmented by um, the Tarasoff rule, which was the duty to warn. Uh, there was a case where a psychologist did not tell what was going on with the client and he wound up killing somebody. So they're trying to achieve a balance between keeping confidentiality and also uh, adhering to the duty to warn if they feel like at least one or more people are at risk or at danger uh, because of someone's pathology, then they have this duty to warn. So all 27 psychologists in this particular book uh, felt compelled by the Tarasov doctrine to duty to warn because uh, some of them feel that all life on planet Earth is at stake, and so that would definitely qualify. But here's uh, one that I extracted, Dr. Craig Malkin. He's the clinical psychologist and author of Rethinking Narcissism. And he says that Trump has something he calls empathy impairment, uh, ignoring the needs or feelings of those around him because he is all that matters. Um, there's a difference between, he explains the difference between narcissism, which we all have to a certain degree, and malignant narcissism, which he believes Trump has a good example of malignant narcissism where it's grown into a pathology. And malignant narcissists are in danger of a psychotic spiral when confronted with the troubling truth that they are not as special as they think they are. Malignant narcissists cannot admit to fear or insecurity. Uh, they don't trust people to support them when they're upset. And it's a condition that he calls insecure attachment. And this leads to impaired judgment, volatile decision-making, gaslighting, um, <clears throat> and so forth. And then <clears throat> the fellow that wrote the book, The Art of the Deal, Tony Schwartz, he's had a lot to say recently um, and stated that Trump's self-sabotage goes back to his childhood and his relationship with his father. When he feels threatened or thwarted, he moves immediately into the flight-or-fight mode his amygdala is triggered, uh, his prefrontal cortex shuts down, and he reacts rather than reflects. Damn the consequences, and it makes him a dangerous man to have the nuclear codes. So it's not really an issue of uh, picking on Donald Trump because he's got uh, mental illness or has uh, got a collection of pathologies. It's the dangerousness of the situation of putting somebody like that. We all know people that have all this kind of stuff and we're friends and family with them, but putting somebody in the office of president uh, creates a situation where we all get drug into their pathologies. I mean, at least half the country, myself included, feels like uh, the octopus tentacles of Trump tentacles of Trump's psyche has invaded our space, so to speak. You know, it's like we have to wake up every morning wondering what stupid thing has he done today. You know. Then there's uh, Dr. Gail Sheehy. She is the author of 17 books, uh, journalist, popular lecturer. She says Trump has a trust deficit. Um, he's viciously attacked Democratic leadership, calling them liars, clowns, stupid, incompetent. Uh, we all remember when he said Hillary's the devil, Obama is sick. Uh, his belligerent behavior abroad and his disrespect for the leaders of our allies 
rips apart the comedy and peacekeeping pledges that have taken decades to build, while at the same time, uh, Trump congratulates despots like Turkey's uh, Erdogan, Egypt's General Sisi, or Vladimir Putin. So, to sum up Gail Sheehy, what he has done is target the white working class who feel left behind, who hate globalization, and identified their enemies as Muslims, Mexicans, refugees, and met with messaging like they're taking your jobs, they aren't like us, and they're polluting our culture. So he's got a substantial portion of the American public thinking this way, that the reason their life sucks is because of these other people that are encroaching on us, and only I can fix it. Sasha? Yeah, well, you know, you know, my take is the opposite. I feel enriched by all these, by people from uh, other countries. They're so interesting. They have languages with concepts in it that turn me on. I think that uh, uh, that it's it's turning around uh, 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 the great gift that we have when you allow the free movement of good, of goods, uh, jobs, uh, uh, people. Uh, ideas. Uh, the world gets so much richer. That's my take. And and that uh, th this person, I, I agree with uh, Senator uh, uh, Warren. It's time to get this guy out of there. But the problem is, if you just get him out of here, then you have the Handmaiden's Tale here with Pence, who's Cotton Mather in in, in a modern suit. And uh, we've got to uh, annul the fraudulent. Uh, you know, election, and, and perhaps Nancy Pelosi will be the temporary uh, POTUS until she holds a special election. That's my take. Well, one of the things that people who are Trump resistors, which I would consider myself one of these, is instead of just uh, pointing out everything that's bad about Trump, we need to do a better job of promoting our own message. And from my own personal perspective, my own message would be that we need to work on diplomacy with the rest of the world instead of uh, keeping the world in a stranglehold of fear. And we need somebody, uh, there really should be, and some of these psychologists agree with this, that there should be an IQ test and a psychological profile test before even somebody can qualify to be president because it's a very important job especially these days with all the technology and the nuclear weapons and everything it i really don't want somebody just like me as president i want somebody better than me that i can look up to that has more intellectual capacity more logical thinking more compassion for others than i do and when i'm when i see people speak that that represent that i'm drawn to them like a magnet you know like a moth to a flame whereas donald trump and all the mindsets that he represents just repulses me to my core so uh dr lance Dodes. and we're coming is, up in two minutes on a break okay go ahead well we'll, we'll just sneak. To tell you we're coming up on a break okay We'll, can we sneak one more in? Yes, we have two minutes. Okay, Doctor, this is Dr. Lance Dodes. He's a retired assistant clinical professor of psychiatry at Harvard Medical School. And he actually identifies the characteristics of sociopathy. And the DSM-5 outlines exactly what sociopathy is. And um, you only have to have three out of these eight criterion, and Trump's a solid seven out of eight. Uh, the first one's failure to conform to social norms with respect to lawful behaviors. Number two is deceitfulness, as indicated by repeated lying. 
Three is impulsivity or failure to plan ahead. Four is irritability or aggressiveness as indicated by repeated physical or verbal fights or assaults. Five is reckless disregard for the safety of self or others. You know, the 800,000 people, people got uh, um, placed in a terrible position because he wanted to do something and, they, and this was in the way. So he just uh, shut their paychecks off with no regard to it. Uh, six, consistent irresponsibility. Seven, lack of remorse is indicated by being indifferent to or rationalizing having hurt, mistreated, or stolen from another. And the last one is um, evidence of contact disorder, impulsive, aggressive, callous, or deceitful behavior. So those are the criterion for sociopathy. And Dr. Lance Dodes at the Harvard Medical School uh, identifies uh, Trump as having the characteristics of sociopathy, according to the DSM-5. And uh, loyalty is highly prized by sociopaths. It serves their personal ends, but there really is no relationship there. Uh, they engage in projection, accusing others of exactly what they're doing. Hold that thought. We'll be back in five minutes. Okay. reported today that their population is evolving rapidly and advancing into a fifth dimensional consciousness. They are seeking peace with all cosmic cultures, which may mean that the Earth will be asked to join the prestigious Galactic Federation of Light Alliances. Please join Debbie West and Michael Hathaway on Lost Knowledge. Saturdays, 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time in Studio A for the latest breaking news on the Star Visitor's peaceful contact and the ongoing project of cleansing the Earth. Who are you? I am the architect. I created the Matrix. I've been waiting for you. Why am I here? You are the eventuality of an anomaly which, despite my sincerest efforts, I have been unable to eliminate from what is otherwise a harmony of mathematical precision, which has led you inexorably here. You haven't answered my question. The Matrix is older than you know, as you are undoubtedly gathering the anomaly is systemic, creating fluctuations in even the most simplistic equation. Choice. Problem is choice. Right here at Revolution Radio, freedomslips.com. Be here Wednesday evening at 8 p.m. Eastern Time for Private Eye Matrix Revealed with Monique Lassonde. Hello, 
my name is Mr. Rowe. I am the host of Reality Extraction on Revolution Radio at freedomslips.com. I utilize logic, intellect, and magic to methodically autonomize, vivisect, analyze, examine, study, scrutinize, and extract an essence of reality from a fog of illusion and confusion. You can find me on Studio B every Thursday at 1700 hours Pacific Time. That's 8 p.m. Eastern. No topic taboo, no subject too strange. I strive to take a neutral standpoint during the dissection of the topic at hand. That's Reality Extraction with Mr. Rowe on Revolution Radio. This is Thomas, a.k.a. a mad painter. I'd like you to join me Monday nights, 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for Open Canvas. Don't forget to bring an open mind. Yes, folks, that's right. Bring an open mind to an open canvas. Again, that is Monday nights, 10 p.m. Eastern. UFOs to government corruption. This is Revolution Radio, freedomslips.com. You don't need to expect us. We're already here. for tuning in to Revolution Radio. Here at Revolution Radio, we are listener-sponsored and commercial-free, but there still are bills to pay. In order to raise some needed funds to cover the cost, our station is offering a silver special. In the continental United States for a $60 donation, or in Alaska, Hawaii, or Canada for a $70 donation, we will send you an uncirculated 2018 one-ounce pure silver eagle. The $70 donation, uh, the extra 10 is to cover shipping, by the way, outside of the continental United States. When making the donation, you must put Silver Eagle promo in the notes on the donation. And thank you for tuning in to Revolution Radio at revolution.radio and freedomslips.com. Without you, there is no less. Revolution Radio, where information never sleeps. Forces back, back, back. Schedule B on Revolution Radio every Saturday night, 6 to 8 p.m. You get outer space. You get honest answers, real researchers, truthful answers, and a place to engage with questions. Take part in the discussion. Revolution Radio on freedomslips.com host Collision Course every Saturday from 6 to 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. to 7 p.m. Central. 4 p.m. to 6 p.m. Mountain Time, and 3 p.m. to 5 p.m. Pacific Time. February is Heart Month. Every year for the month of February, to show our appreciation to Extendivite's faithful customers, we have a sale. If you would like to try Extendivite, now is the time to get a few months ahead and really give Extendivite the time to show you how it works. Most of Extendivite's long-term customers wait for this sale to stock up. People and doctors tell us about the unbelievable improvements that they have experienced in their overall health, not just the heart. 
Extendivite wants you to experience the power of these herbs. Get a four-month supply for only $115 for either the capsules or tincture. Please take advantage of this once-per-year sale and get healthy for life. To order, call 1-877-928-8822 or visit heartdrop.com or find us on Amazon. Extend your life with Extendovite. The opinions expressed on this radio station, its programs, and its website by the hosts, guests, and call-in listeners or chatters are solely the opinions of the original source who expressed them. They do not necessarily represent the opinions of Revolution Radio and FreedomSlips.com, its staff, or affiliates. You're listening to Revolution Radio, FreedomSlips.com, 100% listener-supported radio, and now we return you to your host. Aloha and welcome back to Stargate Cosmos, and I'm your host, Jenna Care Lesson, with Dr. Sasha, Alec Lesson, producer Thomas Becker, and our guest is Russell Scott Ridiger. And we have a very interesting show. The second half, we're going to focus on solutions, but we still have a lot of things to cover, like what is the deep state, and is Trump fighting the deep state, as many of his supporters believe, or is he part of the deep state, and if he's a tool, does he know it? Or is he oblivious to it? So we're going to discuss that and many other things in the second half. But before we get back to our show, I'd like to remind you to go over to that donation button on Revolution Radio and make your donation. Whatever you can afford to donate is greatly appreciated. We thank you so much for making your donation and keeping us on air. Uh, Mad Painter, Thomas Becker, do you have the numbers for us this week? Uh, Where are we in our fundraising? Uh, we we got twenty. We need twenty four fifty. We got fifteen twenty three. That leaves uh, nine seventy seven. So please donate. Yeah, please donate. Okay, Sash. Before we bring back Russell, what would you like to say? Well, yeah, I think talking, been, go ahead, Sasha. Uh, our discussion has been about the, basically the nature of. Of governance, it really comes down to that. And from the perspective of my discipline, uh, which is anthropology, we, we like to uh, uh, talk about, after Max Weber, uh, politics as uh, being a competition to decide policy. Once policy is decided and it's agreed upon, it's a, then it's considered a, to be administration. And if you can keep those two lines straight, you're 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 on the on the path, uh, and so what you uh, there's that's really important that you ultimately allow consensus to uh, uh, rule. And the way way you do this, we've been studying what we call acephalous societies, societies that don't have one person in charge. And there are many models where there's lots of ways where people can uh, achieve governance. Uh, Ted Becker, one of the guys I study with, talked about uh, representative bodies where one person is elected and stays around for a while. One is drawn at from the general population by uh, a drawing. And, and all, there's many, many methods. We don't have to be stuck with this electoral college, which is designed uh, to keep uh, the popular will from prevailing. Yeah, I think we have a stupid system, and it was based from the get-go on excluding black people uh, from the vote, and um, uh, the person closest to te- to Trump was 
uh, President Johnson, who was basically a, 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 a hated black people and uh, wanted to reinstate the power of the Southern elite. I think we got to get past that. Yes, we've got uh, people That's who enough. feel allied with the uh, mindset of the original founders and idolize these people and idolize the Constitution uh, verbatim. And it may very well be that our whole technical society has changed and we're operating with the uh, vestigial organ of the uh, political system that we have that just needs to fall by the wayside for something brand new. And uh, during the break, Thomas and I were talking about artificial intelligence. And uh, when you talk about bringing AI into the picture to replace human governance, uh, it scares a lot of people. You've got the Terminator scenario where they turn on us and get rid of humans. But if the cognitive architecture was... Uh, constructed properly, uh, this could be a really good thing, and it would just replace Congress, the Senate, the President, and everybody. We can all vote online. The issues can be presented and come to some sort of consensus without all of these people on the payroll. But that's a radical move, and we're not quite ready for that. Uh, one of my favorite UFO authors, John Keel, was asked the question, do you think we'll ever have a world government? And his view was uh, in the 60s. Now, we've come a long way since the 60s, but he thought at the time that it'd be about 500 years. But we may be uh, very much closer to that than, than what he predicted at the time. We're moving into an era of exponential technological progress leading to what a futurist like Ray Kurzweil is calling the technological singularity. And that's an event horizon beyond which nobody can even really speculate uh, it may involve uh, technologies that are just mind-blowing. But the immediate problem is um, we're dealing with human cognition, which is very defective. And we've got somebody in office right now that has a collection of pathologies that we were discussing in the first half of the hour. And what I'm doing is drawing from the dangerous case of Donald Trump by Bandy Lee. And uh, there's 27 psychiatrists in there that are brave enough to venture their opinion and offer their uh, analysis on the situation. And um, the next one would be uh, Dr. John Gardner. He's a clinical psychologist. And his big thing was examining whether Trump is mad, bad, or all of the above. And his conclusion was all of the above. He uh, identifies malignant narcissism from Eric Fromm, described in 1964 as the quintessence of evil. And as far as the bad goes, uh, things in that category would be malignant narcissism, antisocial personality disorder, paranoia, sadism. Uh, for example, I'd like to punch him in the face as the protester was escorted out. We can all watch him behave in this way. We all heard him say these things, and some of us were appalled and some of us were applauding. Uh, depending on how your psychology runs. There are people who feel allied with his pathologies because perhaps they share some of the same features. And there's other people who see through it all and are going, oh my God, what have we done? So <clears throat> the mad uh, part, according to Do Dr. John Gardner, is uh, malignant narcissism is something that grows over the course of one's life. And the DSM-5, as we talked about before the break, indicates that uh, Trump not only qualifies you know, for sociopathy, but he's also got a delusional disorder. Um, Dr. Gardner identifies something called hypomanic temperament. And this is genetically based. It runs in families of people with bipolar relatives. Uh, typically, they are whirlwinds of activities. They need little sleep. They're restless. They're impatient, easily bored. Uh, they need constant attention, 
and they have to dominate conversations. And if we all remember the debates, those of us that watched it, Trump's hovering over Hillary in the background. Uh, looking back on that, I wish he would have just turned around and said, excuse me, <laughs> you know, and just embarrassed the devil out of that him. That was creepy. It was creepy. I saw that recently. Oh, oh man, it was, it was just creepy. Like, and what? Pe people in <laughs> other People in other countries recognize that there is an issue. Uh, Mike Pence just went over, I think it was in uh, Germany, and introduced the president to total silence. I mean, nobody clapped, nobody said anything. And he actually, you can see him do a double take like, what? <laughs> he just, he did not expect that <laughs> at all. That. You know? But um, hypermanic, hypomanic temperament shows poor judgment. Uh, they act on impulse. They have very large libidos. And they could be charming and witty, but they're also arrogant. And one thing that John Garner would add to the collection of Trump's pathologies is attention deficit disorder. They uh, trust their own impulses over the expertise of others. And you hear Trump constantly say, I know more than the generals. I don't need intelligence briefings because I trust my gut. I don't need any of this. And then you find out that he gets most of his information from uh, Fox News. You know, so... <clears throat> That's about as close as state-run propaganda as I've ever seen. But he sums it all up by saying uh, Trump's first hypomanic crash only resulted in a few bankruptcies. But as president, the consequences of a hypomanic, impulsive decision-maker could be catastrophic. So, as we were speaking of before, this whole Trump era may come and go. And a lot of people are depending on that right now. This too shall pass. You hear a lot of that. Joe Biden came out. This too shall pass. Well, let's hope so, because with his particular psychological profile, uh, under the wrong circumstances, it, it could r really result in a lot of people uh, being harmed by this. But then there's Dr. Uh, Michael Tanzi. He's a clinical psychologist. He uh, examines whether Trump is, you hear this a lot, crazy like a fox. Oh, Trump really knows what he's doing. He's smarter than everybody. Or crazy like crazy. Now, Dr. Michael Tanzi, after examining the situation, said that Trump is crazy like crazy. Uh, crazy like a fox is uh, someone who acts erratically as an intentional strategy to mislead, distract, or deceive others. He defines a person whose external irrationality masks an underlying rational thinking. And I've known people, you know, personally like that. They're very histrionic. In car sales, you run into them. They're crazy like a fox. They they act the fool and everything, but their goal is to get the signature on the contract and to watch some metal leave the car lot. And then there's um, crazy like crazy, which is the opposite. It's There's an external rationality to it that's masking an internal irrationality. And um, he identifies, uh, Dr. Tansy identifies a delusional disorder where he said, God didn't let it rain on my speech. And it's like, we've all watched this video where when he started to talk, it started raining. But yet, he gets on there and says, God didn't let it rain on my speech. And exaggerating his crowd size, uh, his admiration for uh, brutal dictators, these are all indications of uh, some type of delusional disorder. And then Dr. David Reese, a uh, clinical psychologist in California, identifies cognitive impairment. Uh, and we were talking about this before, before the break, that the, currently, right now, there are no intellectual or cognitive standards for President of the United States. And this is clearly a vulnerability. If there's anything uh, good to come out of the Trump presidency is this, this vulnerability that if we put the wrong person in place, it could be catastrophic, has become strikingly clear.
And what I'm hoping anyway is that this changes, that we start implementing IQ tests, uh, mental health tests, uh, citizenry tests so we don't have to live through the birtherism lie for two years, uh, which uh, played a part in getting Trump elected, the birtherism lie. And uh, so we need somebody, if, if we're going to be the leader of the free see, world. That's how far back he started this. If you, if you examine the, um, the concept that he's a time traveler, that he got Tesla's uh, technologies from um, his uncle, or whatever the uncle's name was, John or something, or his dad, I get confused with the name. But he got Tesla technology, and, he, and so he knew... So we, we don't know how crazy he is. We don't know if he's crazy like a fox or just crazy. But if he did have this technology that was, was given to him, handed to him by his uncle, the time travel technology, then it's possible that this, this whole thing could be far more devious than any of us can imagine. Because if he's able to travel through time, he's able to pick the timeline that's going to result in the agenda that he wants. So is he, is he acting alone or does he have other people? that have put him in office, that are keeping him in office. At the end of this, uh, let's say he wins 2020, will he step down? Will he end up destroying the whole world? Is that the agenda? Is that the agenda from uh, an alien species, from like the reptilians or the archons or someone, that they want to take over this planet? They want us all out here. They want us dead from the, all the uh, fossil fuels. I was just reading an article there. They're, they keep expanding our fossil fuel use and there's no checks or balances on that we're going crazy we're already on a death spiral we've got what's going on what's happened before but now it's accelerating and why is it accelerating it's based on the needs our our population is demanding more energy use and there's no replacement so it's coming out in more and more fossil fuels so i think we need to look this book is great and what they're talking about and what we can do that's like one level reality but how far down does this rabbit hole go? Is this something that's on this other level? Yeah, I mean, you can go as far as you want. Uh, Alana Freeland just wrote a good book, Under an Ionized Sky. And um, she says that the aluminum, the barium, the uh, nanites, all the particulates to convert the atmosphere into a superconductor and set up what she calls a space fence lockdown, where there's global surveillance down to the DNA level with the... Uh, eventual goal of just having a complete planetary lockdown where under a central AI, possibly an alien AI, uh, all of humanity is uh, controlled mind and body uh, as a planetary asset, either for, you know, whatever they get out there in the universe somewhere, but trading humans or whether it's uh, food or technological pr production or whatever. Uh, the rabbit hole is deep. And, and everybody, with all the information on the Internet, you can go down it as far as you want. Um, there are some indicators that we have an alien artificial intelligence already operating within the human race. This information was given to us uh, by a group that called themselves the ACRI um, from 1956 to 1967. It was a group of alleged humanoids from various parts of the universe that interacted with over 100 really credible Italian uh, contactees, uh, Stefan Bressio, uh, the author of Mass Contacts, was one of them. And they said that uh, there was a, a, a runaway alien intelligence from Orion, which coordinates with the raw material. Uh, it speaks of the uh, 
Orion Crusaders. So the idea that there's a, an alien AI here that are tampering with us and manipulating us into high technology because they're an artificial race that worships technology, there's a lot of credibility to that if you want to go down the rabbit hole that far. Uh, there's photographs online of the craft that uh, the ACRI used, and they've been examined in multiple optical labs in various countries and authenticated that they're, you know, they're not hubcaps sewn into the air. They're objects that are about 30 feet in diameter. And um, they were invested with something that's very close to uh, an AI researcher named Eliezer Yudkowsky called Coherent Extrapolated Volition. Uh, they called it Ureta. And it was a program that would the, the craft would destroy itself if it uh, was about to harm anybody. So that's how benign post-singularity technology can be to where it's programmed to destroy itself rather than harm anybody. And if these were, in fact, uh, as they describe themselves, the precursors to the spirit realm, uh, higher fifth or sixth density uh, beings who interacted with 3D humans and told them some information, the big question is, why don't they just uh, do away with the enemy and uh, set us free? And I think the answer to that is that the higher density benign entities uh, that are positively uh, polarized and the fifth or sixth densities, uh, they operate on free will and they only reveal themselves to people who are of a certain resonant vibration or they uh, are actively seeking them through meditation. Uh, they're really big on what Star Trek called the prime directive. You know, you don't interfere in cultures even if, even though you could lay a heavy hand in there and do away with uh, something that's causing problems, you don't do that uh, on those realms. According to the raw material, the fourth density is the last uh, density where the dualistic conflict is engaged in directly. And then in the fifth and sixth densities, whether they be positive or negatively oriented, uh, they only operate in the cosmic drama that's going on by proxy. In other words, uh, the 3D Earth is a school where we make our choice, you know, we want to be polarized positive or polarized negative. And then in the fourth density, the group souls start accumulating and people start uh, unifying. And then in fifth and sixth, either positive or negative, they've made their decisions. These, these are high density beings that are either positive or negative, and they operate with uh, a whole different worldview and a whole different mindset. So the negative density is involved in service to self and dominion over others and conquering and all that. So when I see a human being that shares those characteristics of what I've read were the characteristics of higher density negative beings, of wanting to conquer, wanting to be the biggest, the best, the greatest, uh, you know, power over other people, I see them as negative. And <clears throat> we're talking about the deep state. And the tools being the fossil fuel industry, the military industrial complex, and the world banks, and the fact that Trump's in bed with all three of those, not that he's the cabal himself, but he's certainly being played by the tools of the cabal. And what I'm looking for of somebody fighting the deep state would be somebody that would dismantle the military industrial complex, uh, release the free energy devices that we all know exist, but they're being hoarded by an elite group and uh, maybe break up or rearrange the World Bank so that they don't get into disaster capitalism and these hedge fund managers that make millions of dollars off of a hurricane killing hundreds of thousands of people. I mean, that's where we're at. There's an element of capitalism that's grown malignant, and they call it disaster capitalism, where uh, these hedge fund managers and everything actually like make bets on disasters and can make huge fortunes if uh, 
large numbers of people are killed. And that's just wrong. So my version of a person or a president who's fighting the deep state would be that they would be obviously trying to dismantle all three of those things. And when I see Trump overlook a torture, a murder, and a dismemberment of a person so not to lose a global arms sales, I'm thinking cabal, you know, I'm thinking deep state. I'm thinking he's in cahoots with it or, or playing along with it or maybe he's a boob that's oblivious and uh, they're just using him, you know. But he's definitely, in my perspective, not the person that is fighting the deep state. He's not making any effort to dismantle any three of those tools that the cabal depends on. Sash. Oh, yeah, well, my, my you know, uh, it's interesting. Uh, what we have is, is on all these levels, uh, dualism that... Uh, it, uh, uh, and it, that is, you're either prideful or you're humble. But in, in uh, Jungian psychology, we say uh, you center yourself by embracing the opposites within you, uh, the, the pride and the humility. And, we, and I, I I've, uh, operate on the principle that uh, as above, so below, and so within. And so what I can really work on most be best, I think, is within. And I can deal with the prideful part of myself, uh, and, uh, which uh, feels good when uh, I evaluate what I do as excellent, given the time I had to give to it. And the humble part, because I know that I uh, rest on the uh, shoulders of all my compatriots and, and, and all that is, too. And uh, so I think that... Uh, uh, basically, we have to uh, crash our dualism in order to uh, feel our empathy with everything and everyone. Yeah, and we all mirror one another. Uh, there's a fellow named Bernard Castrop I just discovered and uh, listened to what he had to say about disassociative personalities. And even within the same human brain, a person can have disassociative personality disorder where they have separate individual personalities that may not even like each other you know, that hypnotists or psychologists can bring to the surface using various techniques. And the way he looked at our perception of our own individuality was that we're all a, a single disassociative personality of the same universal mind. Uh, and that's why we all perceive ourselves as separate, uh, but we're actually part of the same universal consciousness. And there's a lot of really great books out there right now. Dr. Robert Lanza, uh, Beyond uh, Biocentrism, and uh, Lynn McTaggart wrote an excellent book called The Field. And what they're all finding out that the only reality that exists is an eternal, infinite probability field uh, that the multiverse bubbles in and out of in superposition and uh, in Planck time units. And Planck time units, time is uh, divided into a quantum unit called Planck time. And there's as many Planck units in, a, in one second as there were seconds since the Big Bang. So that's how small of a unit of time that, uh, but that's just the only little slice of reality in the material world is that uh, Planck time. So hundreds of thousands of them pass before you're even conscious of one moment to another. Uh, that's how refined it's uh, pixelated. But the physical worlds and the multiverse apparently are, are coming in and out of in and out of emergence with this uh, probability field. And that's the way the, that the physicists are portraying it now. So that means that all of our deities and gods that we've invented are all uh, fictional. Uh, they're all a, a feeble attempt at personifying or anthropomorphizing this uh, probability field. And um, this may, be, uh, may become a world religion in the future. 
you know, as more and more physicists come out with this, that we're all part of the same universal mind, that the, the universe is mental, and we're all just reflections of one another, just a facet of the same mind, that sort of gives you a more forgiving perspective on somebody that, you know, gets on your last nerve, like Trump does mine, that he's a part of me, you know, I, I see myself in him. It's like, if I really let myself go, he uh, celebrates openly things that I only think in secret shame. You know, uh, I try to subdue right. those characteristics, you know, uh, racism, bigotry, impulsivity, sexism, you know, you, you name it. Uh, he's open with it. And the people who share those pathologies celebrate it with him and they love the guy, you know, whereas I, I occasionally, you know, find myself doing that in secret shame. And these are things that I'm working very hard to overcome. So it's really hard for me to see somebody in a position of president who represents just about every personality characteristic that I'm personally trying to overcome in my life. But, right. like Sasha said, this could be a challenge. You know, he's the shadow. Uh, the shadow has surfaced. And uh, the uh, personification of every loathsome uh, human characteristic is now president. So, <clears throat> uh, at least we live in a country where we're free to say these kinds of things, you know. You I, don't, say I, it. I don't have anybody uh, beating my door down right now with an AK-47 wanting to shoot me for, you know, criticizing the president. So, I mean, that's a good thing that we're still on that level. <laughs> well, you know, and say, say we did that. We created this whole thing for what? For diversification of creation, for something to do. Otherwise, we're all just sitting around playing harps. And so we have to appreciate our villains and our our good people and everybody in between. So one of the things I've been watching lately is these um, um, time travel things. So I've watched Al Bielik and how he time traveled to the future. And, and there's another one called Apex TV. And they've got dozens of, you know, uh, people who have time traveled. And what they're saying, it's just interesting to see what they're saying, whether it's true or not, is, um, you know, they're predicting... A future where they have the singularity and one of the variations I forget if it was apex or albili but they said they they tried the, um, the the AI so AI is able to take all the factors of everything that's happening and you know the chunk the number numbers and the information to come out with a win for all and that seems to be something that humanity is incapable of calculating a win for all so that would create the consensus because it has everything involving humanity in its calculations, in its formulas, and it can come out and say, okay, this is the highest good for everybody alive at this time, and it kept going. So they let the um, AI run the planet for many, many years, and so it was complete and total peace. Everybody had all their needs met, but what they discovered after, I forget how many years, 500 years or something, of this total peace, tranquility, and nothing left you know, to, to no problems to solve, is that the whole society was stagnating. And so there wasn't any growth. And so, you know, that's where you realize the polarity and its um, imperfections is divine perfection. And there's um, something that we're gaining from having the stimulation. Go ahead, somebody wants to say something? Well, I, I'm sort of, uh, I, I, I like Ila, Ila, 
uh, Prigogine's idea of systems, that uh, system is a, a recurrent set of activities uh, that uh, through which energy passes and uh, fluctuations uh, in within the uh, system lead to uh, perturbations can either destroy the system uh, or it can uh, evolve into a more inclusive level. And that seems to me to be the way all systems, uh, or it accounts for the behavior of, of all systems. Well, what right. a lot of the physicists are saying now is that the past, the present, and the future are all happening simultaneously. And uh, Dr. Helmut Schmidt actually demonstrated mathematically the reality of retroactive causality. That's where the future mm -hmm. can affect the present and the present can affect the past. And if you think yes. about it, uh, you know, automatic writing, when somebody sits down to write a science fiction novel, what they may be doing is channeling actual events that are occurring in a particular timeline in the future. Uh, just looking at uh, 2001, A Space Odyssey, that beginning scene where they're dancing around the monolith, that is clearly an iPhone. I mean, it's in exactly the same shape as an iPhone. And the person, Arthur C. Clarke, that wrote that, you know, may have been tapping into this, this current age and extracting something in his writing. So that would be a case of the present affecting the past, uh, which is actually happening right now instead of, you know, decades ago. So you just tap over sideways, laterally, instead of, you know, far into the distant future and grab something that's uh, real, you know, from that aspect of reality. But Star Trek has a lot of those examples, like Captain Kirk's flip-open cell phone, uh, Uhura's Bluetooth unit, um, the holodeck, virtual reality, teleportation, phasers, uh, particle beam weapons. Uh, there's all kinds of things that <clears throat> the writers of those episodes may have just actually tapped into the future, in which case the future was affecting the past, retroactive causality. And then Dr. Dean Radin uh, took Dr. Helmut Schmidt's mathematical work and proved it experimentally. Uh, he's done things like um, uh, make recordings of uh, random event generators and then have somebody in another state, after this has been sealed away in a box, try to affect it. Uh, to where you get more ones than zeros or whatever like that. And when they play the tape, sure enough, that person affected it, and he was not even there when it was happening. It, he affected the random event generator as if he was there when it was happening. So there's a lot of really strange experimentation going on that are indicating that uh, time is not what we think it is, that the past, present, future all happen simultaneously, and uh, people who do channeling or science fiction work, everything may just be writing down uh, a reality from some future event. Uh, yeah, you know, I, I, I would like to uh, say I saw a, a film of, you know, you take a uh, wave and you put it through two windows uh, and you uh, capture what happens to it on a screen and, and it becomes a particle. Uh, uh, but the, the uh, experimenters set up uh, cameras on the uh, in front of the two windows through which uh, the uh, wave passed. And that, that was where they actually saw there was a change in the future by what happened in, in supposedly the sequential past of hitting the, of becoming a particle. Right, that's a double slit experiment. That's a real classic experiment that pretty much uh, indicates that material reality is consciousness dependent. It takes an observer, a conscious observer, to collapse the waveform into a material particle. So <clears throat> I saw a, 
a picture the other day of our whole nervous system it had the brain and the eyes and the spinal cord and all the nerves going off of it and everything else is just uh, cosmetic so uh, this is the field uh, creating a receptor uh, to perceive itself in a, in a specific manner uh, like a tank of water and you put a bunch of ping pong balls in that has a hole in the top and a hole in the bottom all of the ping pong balls of various sizes have the same water inside um, but they perceive themselves as long as the ping pong ball holds its shape as a separate entity when, when really it's not it's just a very thin veneer uh, a barrier separating you from the other ping pong ball and uh, you're really the same water inside uh, Brian Greene's uh, latest book The Hidden Reality he goes into a lot of detail about that that the universe itself is a single thing uh, he relates it to a cup of coffee that anywhere in the cup of coffee you taste from it's going to be homogenous you know it's exactly the same thing if you put it under an electron microscope you might see a sugar molecule here or a water molecule over there so there's all these little subatomic particles that are acting individually but from a macro view that cup of coffee is very homogenous. So you can draw from that that the universe, you know, 50 million light years from, from here is pretty much the same as it is here, which means there's probably life everywhere. Uh, there's probably humanoid life everywhere. Um, I know a lot of people wonder if there's uh, any chance that humans uh, accidentally evolved on another planet in another planetary environment. But anybody uh, flying out there in a mechanical craft, you have to have fire uh, to get technology and for there to be fire you have to be from a planet that has oxygen so so there you're breathing oxygen and you've got to have opposable thumbs and fingers so it makes sense that anybody flying around out there in mechanical craft would have some sort of humanoid shape or the ability to manipulate tools and, and breathe oxygen of some sort so I, I think the the feasibility of humanoid aliens is very strong But <laughs> back to the book, uh, there's uh, James Erb. He's uh, practiced law for 40 years, and he identified a, an actual mental incapacitation in Trump. Uh, two uh, delusional beliefs that he gives an example of is the crowd size and stating that three million popular votes that Hillary beating were all illegal aliens. Um, there are things that he does appear to believe himself that are absolutely ascertainably false. So this would qualify as some sort of uh, delusional syndrome that he's got going on in his head, along with uh, something called histrionic personality disorder. Trump's behaviors reflect inappropriate or provocative sexual behavior, uh, shallow expression of emotions, his speech style lacks substance and detail, and is excessively impressionistic self-dramatization, over-the-top self-expression. He's very suggestible, and he's overly influenced by the opinions of others. If you remember just recently, um, he was going to go along with some piece of legislation or thing, and then he found out what Ann Coulter and Rush Limbaugh were saying about him and completely changed his mind. Uh, so this would be uh, the susceptibility of being influenced by other people's opinions. And I've heard people uh, refer to Ann as President Coulter. <laughs> <laughs> because apparently right. she's, she, she, she's wagging the dog. <laughs> yeah. And then um, another person in this book, The Dangerous Case of Donald Trump, is Dr. Leonard Glass. He's a uh, Massachusetts psychoanalyst. And he points out that it's Trump's emotional and mental deficits that have endeared him to his base as they share many of the same characteristics. He speaks without hesitation or reflection. 
He repudiates political correctness. He's easily moved to anger and heedless retaliation. And this is hard to understand, but this is appealing to those who feel powerless against a system that hasn't preserved their status or allowed them to fulfill their dreams. So they identify with all these characteristics. And Dr. Glass identified impulsivity, the immediate uh, vengeful attacks on those who challenge him. So there's another voice from the uh, academic community, uh, professional psychologist, you know, that, that has clinical things to uh, offer. And the way they've done it in the book is uh, none of these come out <clears throat> and uh, portray a diagnosis. They're just saying, this is the symptoms of this pathology, and you make the, you make the judgment call here. You know, you make the choice. There's a Dr. Henry Friedman, who's associate professor of psychology at Harvard Medical School, and he says, Dr. Friedman says that the psychiatrists have a duty to warn if a person is a danger of at least a one person, and in this case, it's the entire planet that's at danger. He identifies a core paranoid personality and compares Trump to Hitler uh, by identifying that the country is in decline, mainly due to our first African-American president. Uh, Trump erroneously states that Obama left the country in carnage. This is ascertainably false, a total mess. Um, Trump manages a variation of Descartes' uh, famous saying, I think, therefore I am. Trump's version is, I think, therefore it is. And uh, whatever comes to his mind is what his reality is, and he carries millions of people along with him into his pathology. So Strange we're situation. running out of time here. Strange situation, yes. So I'd like to see if we can uh, shift this to solutions. Are there okay. any uh, ways out of this? <laughs> what yes. do we do? Yes. Okay. Uh, the first, the first solution would be to implement some sort of criteria that a person has to pass, uh, some hoops that a person has to pass through, ascertain their citizenship for, for you know once and for all, um, IQ tests, um, decision-making skills, almost like a simulator. You know, we've got the technology to do this, you know, to put a person in a place where different world crises are simulated and, uh, you know, and they have a score that they can make and they have to pass a certain test. But the criticism that you get from people is, well, who's going to make up the test, you know? Who's going to, you know, this could be biased, you know, towards a certain population or whatever. So, but I would suggest that, that some kind of criteria, people need to get over the idea of wanting somebody just like them in uh, the office of president, because it's just not appropriate in most people's cases, including myself. I mean, I wouldn't hire me to be president for a number of reasons, but um, so that. So what that, would be the ideal personality for president? That's the other thing to look at. And um, what about the emotional intelligence test? That's just like, what is, what is your, yeah, that would kind of weed out the crazies. Yeah, I mean, what I We have IQ for, tests, what about the emotional intelligence test? A stable, functional individual that has a history of telling the truth. Everybody that's ever known him gives a good recommendation that he's a, he or she is a credible person. They've never been uh, exploited or screwed over by them. Uh, they have good reputation socially. They have pro-social values. They have empathy for other people. 
and they want the country of the United States to get along rather than be in conflict. I was actually hopeful at first with Trump saying that he wanted to end all the stupid wars, but then he hires John Bolton, and John Bolton is was instrumental in getting us into the fiasco in Iraq, and he's wanted to bomb Iran for decades. So sometimes he winds up doing the opposite of what he promises to do. But I would be looking for somebody to dismantle the tools of what we're calling the cabal, those 8,000 people uh, that Ronald Bernard uh, identified as the ones that profit from every bullet fired on every side of every conflict, um, try to find some other way to make a living than selling arms to the rest of the world and um, exporting arms like we do. We're at fault for a lot of this because <clears throat> some of the arms that we're selling to other countries are killing our own guys. And this even happened right. in World War II. Uh, Prescott Bush uh, made the family Bush fortune by selling supplies to Nazi Germany that wound up killing our own soldiers. And uh, I, if anything should be illegal, that is. So if you look at the three tools of the cabal, the uh, uh, person that would be fighting the deep state would be those who uh, would be uh, actively dismantling all three of those elements instead of being in cahoots with them. What do you think, Sash? Uh, I, I, okay, I tell you who I, I really dig, uh, Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez. She turns me on. Bernie Sanders would be cool. Robert Reich is one of the smartest people I've ever heard. He's, he's really a really great analyst. Uh, and Elizabeth Warren is good. I think there are people here that if we get the right uh, group of people up who have big hearts and big intellects, I think we can... We can be okay, and I think that uh, the basic uh, sanction that anthropologists uh, have identified is nullity. Stop participating to whatever degree you can in institutions that harm you and harm other people. And uh, you, you don't have to do something stupid or engage in violence, but just selectively uh, in California, uh, we were able to get decent uh wages for migrant workers by boycotting grapes that shows it can work the strike has worked for a working man who uh, wanted to sell their labor for something decent that's a way selectively use nullity stop participating is what i suggest there's a number and, and of candidates on the democratic side that are pretty nice uh there's there's a mr yang uh, who wants to implement uh, some form of universal basic income, this particular country is going to have a hard time with that because half the country is just scared to death of anything that smacks of what they call socialism. But with the AI taking everybody's well, job... Okay. Yeah, let's look at that. What you said, what, why, why are people afraid of that? What's going on? I guess it started years ago, and they, I remember when I was a kid, oh, socialism, communism, they were all lab, labeled bad. But at this point in time, none of this is working. And none, you know, democracy's not working, socialism. None of the, we need to look at other systems, and that's why I looked at the extraterrestrials and what type of systems are they using. And I, you know, even looking at science fiction and the, you know, like these time travelers, they're saying that. You know this uh, this system we have changes and changes rapidly because it's not working. It's just not working, and we get into a. One of the things they're saying is that we end up having one big country. Uh, the United States uh, becomes uh, Canada, United States, and Mexico. So there we go, building a wall. We spend all these years, and then suddenly it's down in like nine.
10 years. Let's just say that's real, okay? And um, somehow something changes dramatically that we start going towards this uh, one world government. The futurists are saying, yeah, we only have one one world government. Uh, it's AI for a while, but, it, you know, that dissolves and it's just... And they said, it's fine. You know, we have time traveling. We have a lot of freedoms. So let's look at what can we do outside of this current box. We're, we're locked in this mentality that this is the only way to be. But um, I'm looking at, like, the basic minimum needs economy. Not just the basic minimum income, but meeting the needs of people. This is like a download I get from extraterrestrials. And we need, you know, air, water, food, shelter, um, something to do, right? Livelihood, I don't call it job, but something to do. Um, communications and transportation and education. So that's one of the things. Let's go around the table. What, what do you think? What, what would be a different system than this one that would actually work? Well, that's the $64,000 question because uh, the extinction anxiety that people feel is what's prompting them into these nationalistic positions. They're afraid that the United States sovereignty is going to be relinquished uh, by some unknown nebulous foreign in evil entity and that we're just going to be homogenized with the rest of the planet and what we like to identify as American is going to be lost forever. That's the fear. And the thing is, uh, other countries feel the same thing. I mean, they have their own version of nationalism. They want a German identity or a China identity. What needs to happen on a collective human psyche basis is that stop identifying with the place you're accidentally born into. I mean, some people think we chose to be born in certain locations, and that's fine. But start looking at it as a global identity instead of individual countries. Just like <clears throat> at the beginning of the colonization, there were these individual states, and then they became the United States of America. Probably the next step is to be the United Countries of Earth, uh, and that would alleviate some of the fears of uh, too fast of a homogenization process. But it's inevitably going in that direction, and it's causing a lot of panic. And I think that's the reason, uh, in part, that someone as uh, bellicose as Trump was elected is because they perceived him as somebody that would stop a lot of that. Now, whether he's doing that or not is a whole other question, but that was the perception, and that's why they hired him, is to retain the nationalistic identity. Excuse me of the United States <clears throat> so that our identity isn't lost. But uh, as far as universal basic income, this is an inevitability. Chase McCallum wrote The Economic Singularity. It was a really good book because as 5G uh, initiates the Internet of Things and smart cities develop that are on a smart grid, all the cities are going to hook up. It's an inevitable thing that a smart city is going to become a group of smart cities and this group of smart cities is going to become a smart country and that the electronically smart countries are going to eventually unify under some type of planetary digital system and even you've got your fundamentalist christians that are afraid that these are the last days that you know in the end days you're going to get a mark on your hand or your forehead uh you won't be able to buy or sell with, without the mark of the beast so um I know people personally that uh, when com that are in their 80s now that uh, when computers first came out, they didn't want nothing to do with them because they thought that that was the, the, the whole end times uh, beast scenario, that we're going to digital currency. Nobody's going to be able to participate in the economic system unless they have a RFD chip under them. And so there's just – it's uh, our way of life is changing so rapidly, and the technology is, is – 
the new technologies are happening so swiftly that a lot of people are just in panic mode about it. You know, they're overwhelmed. There's they're overwhelmed by the internet information that's available, all the conspiracy theories. They don't know what's true and what's not true, who to believe, who not to believe, and we're we're just living in a strange time right now, where uh, a major we know a major shift is inevitable, and we're apprehensive of it, and we don't really quite know what to think about it, but. From my perspective, these are just growing pains because um, the existence of the friendship groups, in my mind, proves that a post-singularity, higher-density population exists and that this is available to us. We don't have to be afraid of the singularity or afraid of a planetary AI that's running everything, you know, keeping the animals and the plants and the humans in balance and everything. As long as the correct cognitive architecture goes into it, this would be a good thing. Michio Kaku is one that portrays a very positive view of globalization, that it's a type one civilization where we're, we're unified. And when I think of uh, all the heads of countries and the populations of countries coming together like that and finally unifying as a, as a planet and looking past uh, race, sex, nationality, skin color, all these types of things to become a single family, I get excited. I, I think it's a very thrilling thing that's ahead of us. But I, I also understand that due to um, a lot of misunderstandings of what's going on, that people are afraid of it at the same time. Right. Sash. Uh, I think I, I concur. Uh, I love what you said, uh, Russell. Uh, one thing that I think is a really positive uh, possibility for the immediate future is a coalition of, uh, of liberal states, uh, progressive states that uh, agree on certain things like uh, limiting uh, pollution, uh, protecting water, uh, protecting minorities, and so forth. And, and these kind of conventions have already uh, uh, are already in place. You get powerful people like Governor Brown and now uh, uh, Newsom. Uh, the Western states and Massachusetts <laughs> and New York. That's us. <laughs> well, I get well, accused we have, a lot yeah, when, when I'm talking with people online of having uh, Trump derangement syndrome. <clears throat> but I just uh, quote Dr. Betty Tang. Uh, she's a trauma therapist, and she says TDS is both real and justified. Uh, her clients, which have uh, experienced an influx, report that since the election, they have felt exposed, vulnerable, and helpless. And they show signs, real signs of PTSD. Uh, clinicians have coined the terms for post-election stress disorder. That was from Gold in 2017. Post-Trump stress disorder, that's Pierre 2016. And headline stress disorder. Stasny 2017. So one of the big factors that Dr. Tang points out is that people who have been previously traumatized in life feel re-triggered by Trump's behaviors. Uh, some previously traumatized individual experiences volatile, retaliatory, and unilateral behavior as mirroring that of an abusive parent, the wanton bully, the authoritarian teacher, or the sexually aggressive boss who subjugated them in their past. So there's a lot of old wounds that are being stimulated by uh, the way Trump is. Uh, he may not realize it, but he's causing people pain because he represents some person that abused or hurt them in the past in some fashion or another. We have three minutes. Take it away. Oh, yeah, I want to buy Russell's book. It's called uh, The Overlords of the Singularity. It's the best book in the field. 
Oh, okay. <clears throat> that uh, happened after, in 2009, um, I had a near-death experience which changed me from being a material reductionist and thinking that consciousness is an epiphenomena of the brain into realizing that we do live in a multi-dimensional uh, existence. And it got me studying things like ghosts and the gin and poltergeists. And eventually, uh, it was connected with the UFO field. And it's been a very pleasant rabbit hole that I've enjoyed going down. And uh, I eventually, in 2016, wrote Overlords of the Singularity, uh, the manipulation of humankind by hidden UFO intelligences and the quest for transcendence. And this book is available on Amazon.com in both Kindle with WhisperSync uh, voice enabling and also in a printed version. So if you're interested in, in more of, uh, and this was uh, before Trump's election. So my book, Overlords of the Singularity, doesn't have a darn thing to do with Donald Trump. <laughs> <laughs> there you go um let's see what else we have two more minutes what uh oh are you going to do any more books or is that your last book well book i'm glad you said that i, I have a I have an invitation to write a chapter in a book for the free organization. And um, so that chapter may be coming out. Uh, the rough draft is due in May. So it's about how the UFO phenomena uh, relates to consciousness itself and whether or not we can come up with some uh, meta phenomena. There's a number of uh, very bizarre things happening on our planet with either from extraterrestrials or interdimensionals or elementals or the gym. How does this all tie in? Is it possible to come up with a unified theory of everything where uh, we know our place in the cosmos and the UFO phenomena and how it relates to consciousness can be better understood? So, and also... I'm working on another one that will be an expansion of that that'll probably I learned from the last one my, my big book is 545 pages and I think the next one will just be about 150 or 200 an easy read on a cheap ebook that people can get uh, reasonably and um, and uh, just uh, have time to read and that's that brings us to the end so thank you so much for joining us much love and blessings and aloha aloha Any commercial advertising you may hear in this program is of the sole discretion and benefit of the host of whose program you are listening to. Revolution Radio does not endorse any commercial products, nor does it accept monetary compensation for on-air advertising of commercial products, nor will it ever. We are and shall remain 100% listener supported. Any product advertising on this program are considered used at higher risk, and Revolution Radio shall not be held liable for any claims or damages received from any product advertised within this program. Revolution Radio, where information never sleeps.
Thanks for tuning in to Revolution Radio. Here at Revolution Radio, we are listener-sponsored and commercial-free. But there still are bills to pay. In order to raise some needed funds to cover the cost, our station is offering a silver special. In the continental United States for a $60 donation, or in Alaska, Hawaii, or Canada for a $70 donation, we will send you an uncirculated 2018 one-ounce pure silver eagle. The $70 donation, uh, the extra 10 is to cover shipping, by the way, outside of the continental United States. When making the donation, you must put Silver Eagle promo in the notes on the donation. And thank you for tuning in to Revolution Radio at revolution.radio and freedomslips.com. Without you, there is no less. Revolution Radio, where information never sleeps.